every time you're going through rapid growth, you have to change. And the key is trying to catch anything before it breaks. NPS I Love You is a weekly customer success podcast for people who know that CS is about more than just churn and upsells. It's about people. I'm your host, Ben Wynn, and my goal with this show is to give you powerful insights that'll improve your life and the lives of your customers. Well, everyone, I'm excited to introduce my guest for today, Cody. She is the VP of Customer Success at TouchCare. She also has six kids, so I'm excited to ask her about them. And excited to also learn more about TouchCare, which is a healthcare concierge service. So it's sort of like, as I understand it, your portal to the entirety of the healthcare system. Being a Canadian sounds like the American healthcare system is really easy to navigate yourself. So I don't know why, you know, touch care is needed, but, you know, maybe I'll learn something new. (laughs) Yeah, right. It's so super easy. Intuitive, you know. Yeah, right. The most complicated health system in the world. And everybody's like, do you help internationally? And, you know, that's always a great question because what a breeze internationally, you know, you you know, access to whatever you want at a low cost. And here there's zero transparency and no access easily to anything. So yeah, it's a shame that we have to exist, but we, we uh, are glad that we do. I'm glad that you do. (laughs) Absolutely. Is the thing true about if you ask for an itemized receipt at the hospital, then they immediately reduce your costs? (laughs) Well, I don't know that that's true. (laughs) That's just a Reddit thing that I've read. Yeah. Yeah, It's so funny though. When you do get an itemized receipt, you're like, hmm, pharmaceuticals. Is that a Tylenol? So you charged me like $62. So that's like seven bottles of Tylenol. You know, (laughs) stuff like that. So yeah, we have specialists on staff who can just dig through all of that and make sure that, you know, we're we're advocating correctly. That's awesome and hugely important. Awesome. Well, I'm sure we're going to dig into more of that throughout the episode, but I wanted to to talk about mom life first, yeah. not being someone who has six <laughs> kids, surprisingly, right? Yeah. So we have six kids and they're all, I mean, we span generations, which is so funny. My oldest is actually 25 and just graduated with her master's in epidemiology. There was actually a big article um, on her in the Kansas City Star and the Wichita Eagle because she's in the Midwest going to KU Med, and she's an you know she's an epidemiologist. So mm-hmm. what an interesting thing to be during a pandemic. And um, she had it really worse than any of us, right? Well, I can say that in one aspect, but maybe not another. And she, um, there were a lot of tears at the beginning of the pandemic because they kind of threw her in the deep end and said, oh, you're an epidemiologist now. Congratulations. All of COVID. <laughs> right. Because they didn't really have enough. You know, she was really kind of thrown in there and uh, it felt a bit over her head for some time, but she learned so much. And, you know, obviously it's super valuable for her career, but who goes into epidemiology thinking there's going to be a pandemic? So she called me the year that you get your master's. Yeah. She called me and said, you know, why did I choose to be this? I never thought there would be a pandemic. And I'm like, you know, that's kind of like saying you want to go to the army and not go to war. It's just one of those things that you have to be prepared for if you're going to be that. So yes, dig in and get it girl. And uh, she did. Excellent. Was she also the go-to family resource for everything COVID? Everything was that you? even business related. It's so funny that I was relying on my 25 year old for, <laughs> you know, information when all of this was first happening because she had access to everything. And I mean, everything says so 
all the data that we needed to really make decisions, even as a business, a lot of that, you know, I was calling her and asking for her advice, guidance and resources. That's excellent. Yeah, it was super weird. It's amazing. Super weird <laughs> for me as a mom, but uh, kind of cool for her. So that's really cool. Yeah. And then, so so she's twenty five. She's your oldest. How old is your next one down? Twenty four. <laughs> okay. And then twenty three. We we were okay. kind of busy there for a few years. You're on a roll. You're like buy buy have two get one free kind of thing. You know. Yeah. So we have one actually studying to be a neuropsychologist. So. And that's the the twenty four year old, and she um, the pandemic actually changed her path because she was going to uh, go into law, and then said, you know, I really find this whole emotional impact on individuals during the pandemic really really interesting, and then you know decided to kind of be in in more of the diagnosis setting. So she wants to be. That that neuro psych uh, major got some smart cookies on my hand. So seriously, yeah. So she's she's headed in that path, but she really struggled, and and this has not been easy for anyone. But you know, specifically for people who are kind of used to a routine and going in a direction, and when that's disrupted a little bit, it it causes you to you know think a little bit differently. So she she definitely did, and it changed her whole course of what she wanted to do in life. And then our son is 23 and he, you know, graduated in the midst of all of this and wasn't really phased um, that much. He, you know, graduated, got a job. He's doing great. You know, the, the ones who were phased are my teenagers. And that's really, yeah, I have, I have a 15 year old. In high school? Yeah. Well, one's in high school and one's in the eighth grade and they're both really active. My high schooler is also a musician a really talented musician. She was actually in a movie with Bruce Springsteen a couple of years ago and has released albums. That's so cool. Yeah, she's awesome. But, you know, you take that away when you're used to doing over 100 shows a year as a teenager. You rip that away. Talk about disruption. You know, she really had to, for the first time in her life, think of other things that she liked to do. And that's not necessarily the worst thing, but it's very, you go through this almost period of loss so we saw her go through the stages of loss, which was really scary. Yeah, um, yeah, but in the end, you know, she's found new interests and is doing great as well. And her sister is a big softball player. So there was a little bit of disruption there, but not really. And then my little one is nine. So she's a fourth grader. And, you know, it's been really hard with the masks. And she's actually dyslexic as well. So the learning component has been really challenging with her because she's very reliant on looking at the way a mouth moves for, you know, um, learning how to develop words due to her dyslexia. And it's been really, really hard. Amazing. There's been a whole bunch of up and downs in the Gale house yeah. over the last, uh, yeah. last year and a half. Yeah. You add that to a growing business and, you know. Yeah. Not to mention, yeah, you full-time, <laughs> you know, executive at this fast growing startup that also was in the healthcare industry in the midst of a pandemic. Yeah. What was your, do you, have a, you develop a really good coping mechanism? What was your, uh, what was your strategy for sanity? Beyond alcohol, you know, which that's funny, but funny, not funny. I mean, yeah, I, there's a reason that I did. I did a podcast mid pandemic <laughs> with uh, Cairo Amani, who leads CS at Cutback Coach. And I swear like the, the entire, I, we talked about CS, but like it was secretly so I could ask her a bunch of questions for myself around like, how much is too much? How am I, am I okay? Like what's my, you know, feeling that out? 
Yeah, you know, Tito and I have become really close friends. <laughs> but I think that, you know, I didn't really have time to think about it. And I'm, I've always been one, when something happens, to just go. You know, you don't really think you just go. And I think as a mom, those instincts are natural. It's something that has always been part of my personality, even when I was little. So I'm, I'm very just jump right in and do what needs to happen. And we worked really, really long, hard hours. I had to transition a full staff from on site to virtual and then back on site and then back virtual and then back on site and back virtual. Yeah, during massive growth, and, and we support open enrollment for a lot of organizations too, from a one to one concierge, you know, almost live decision support aspect. And, uh, Holy goodness. It was like really, really, it was intense, but we did it and we did it very successfully. Our open enrollment product actually achieved a hundred percent satisfaction. And we did that in an environment where virtual was more than it ever had been for open enrollment. So we were, you know, more valuable than we've ever been in the past. And employees were leaning on us even more. We saw about 460% increase in utilization from last year for OE and, uh, you know, really knocked it out of the park. But I cannot tell you it was easy. No, it sounds really, really hard. Yeah. But I'm thrilled that your team thrived and, you know, everyone got through it. And hopefully things are a little more stable and, and getting a bit more easy now to at, at work. Yeah, I mean, they are. We're just, you know, we love bringing on the clients that we have are just incredible. And we have some great partnerships. And, you know, we love helping people. And that's really the philosophy behind anyone on the service team at TouchCare. You have to really be passionate about that. So I think everyone here has a similar philosophy that I have when something happens, you just dive in and you get it done. And, you know, when there's a challenge, we just kind of go for it. And, uh, it's been fun. It is. It's hard to find people like that, though, like especially at a company yeah. like your size, like in growing, finding people with that have that work ethic and are willing and able to just dump, jump in and figure out, figure out how to swim, you know, without having ever done it before or anyone to really teach them how. Yeah. Um, it's difficult to find. We have a lot of recent graduates and say what you want. You know, I've heard a lot of, oh, that, you know, that population's really challenging. I've had zero challenges. They are, my staff is hardworking and dedicated and they care and they show up and they're, you know, resilient and you can rely on them. They're the best. And yeah, is that hard to find? Yes. Have we been super lucky, I guess, maybe? Maybe, but you know, we we've really, really been fortunate to have great people, and uh, that's what moves the dial here. I wanted to uh, ask you some as we sort of transition to work. I wanted to ask you about your kids' impact on you as a VP of client success. Has there been any parenting moments where you're like, "Oh, I can use that at work," or work moments where you're like, "Oh, I can use that in parenting"? Is there a tie in there at all? Everything ties together. I think especially when you're building a staff, especially when there, you know, there are challenges or you have to help people kind of take a situation and de-escalate it. My whole life is de-escalating situations <laughs> has been for many years, um, especially with five girls. So I feel that, yeah, I think I'm a master of those skills at this point. And yeah, the, the team, there, there is a lot 
that does kind of fall over into work. And, you know, with work, there's a lot that falls over to my kids, obviously working from home for over a year. I think my nine-year-old can recite our entire value proposition and excellent remember deck. So summer job as a BDR for touch oh, yeah. care. Yeah, totally. She, my neighbor was limping one day and she's like, my mom can help you with that. You know what she does and <laughs> into the whole thing. So Excellent. Do they know what customer success is as well? They better at this point. <laughs> my gosh, if they don't, then I've done something really wrong. I don't know. I feel like I've explained it to multiple family members a multitude of times and it's, I still get the glazed over. Uh-huh. How's computers? I'm like, yeah, they're good. Well, if they listen to me, that's a whole other thing. But, yeah. you know, I think I've beaten customer success and service into everyone's head in my life at this point. So friends, kids, family. Excellent. That's good. Good to hear. So prior to TouchCare, you were at Namely. And when you joined, there were only about 50 customers. But when you left, there were over a thousand, which is a crazy level of scale. And I know that when you were there, you also maintained an incredible NPS score. You had amazing results in your team. So, I mean, that scale must have been crazy. When you think back to it, what sort of stands out as the the biggest challenge? Let's start off with the biggest challenge. And then I want to know the biggest win or the biggest, the high point. Right. So, I mean, rapid growth is always really challenging, especially when you're working with technology, which is Namely, right? Namely was primarily technology and developing technology quick enough for your growth, especially when you're going up market is really, really, really difficult. So, you know, there was a lot of patience. There was a lot of taking information back to the company and, and or to the, you know, to the tech team and really making sure that they heard what the clients were saying, you know, about different things regarding reporting and different aspects of the service that they really wanted and needed. So I'd say, you know, communication was great within Namely with my team specifically. And I had a wonderful leader. I mean, Deborah Squires is just top notch. Oh, yeah. I can personally vouch. She was on the podcast. She's excellent. A great friend and a mentor. And um, I just love her. And, you know, having her as a leader, I learned a lot as a leader. And now here at TouchCare, because I, you know, I saw her really work through that rapid growth, but also some really extreme challenges with clients and, you know, just other aspects of the business and do that with such resilience so, you know, I've really taken a lot of that and moved that to touch care with the understanding that if something's really challenging, you just get through it. You know, you dig in, you work with your team and you get through it. And I couldn't have a better example of that. So, you know, moving that and transitioning that to touch care has been extremely valuable. Today's show is brought to you by Catalyst Software, the fastest growing customer success platform on the market. Catalyst gives you unmatched customizability, a seamless bi-directional Salesforce integration that takes less than five minutes to set up, and a world-class customer success team that'll be by your side every step of the way. Let's be honest, whatever you're currently using might be good enough, but is good enough really what you're aiming for? Take your CS team to the next level by switching to Catalyst today. To learn more, visit Catalyst.io. And if you aren't looking for a CS platform right now, you should subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on LinkedIn anyways. I make daily memes, we host all sorts of events, and we love to give away our swag, which has been called the comfiest swag in the industry. Again, check out Catalyst.io to learn more. Is there one key lesson that maybe stands out that you could share with our listeners? 
that you remember taking specifically from, namely to touch care? I'd say really being patient. When you're in rapid growth, sometimes everything's happening so, so quickly. You have to pull back, take a deep breath and not make things maybe too complicated and, you know, lay them out patiently and thoughtfully so that they can then be executed quickly. So, you you know, sometimes you have to, to really, really step back and take yourself out of the, the whirlwind um, mm-hmm. so that you can think logically and, you know, use that logic to just create a clear path for then everyone else to kind of fall into. Because it's really easy for everybody to get wound so tight and for communication to spin out of control. But if you just take that moment of pause, then sometimes it's really helpful. Couldn't agree more. I was so overwhelmed and stressed. I think it was Monday afternoon, evening. Like I couldn't even think straight. I thought I was going to have a heart attack at one point. I was like, yeah. I haven't been that panicked. And I went for a walk and then I calmed down a little bit. But then what I ended up doing that was really helpful was I, I looked at my schedule the next day, figured out what I could cancel or reschedule, and then blocked off a two hour period where I was able to just sort of reevaluate everything that's on my plate, reprioritize, and then plan like one thing at a time. And like, it that was so, so valuable. And because of that, I know I'll be able to do that much more without um, going crazy, but you forget to do it. And especially when things are busy, like it, I didn't even remember to do the, usually I try to do the, that, that sort of planning, but unless you really build it in and stick to it, it's, it's hard and it's easy to let that slide when there's so much going on. Gosh, yeah. And, you know, back to the previous question, as a mom, you know, with six kids, I'm used to schedules being packed and just flying Mm -hmm. one thing to another. And I don't even think about it, but sometimes I forget that other people aren't used to that. So I Mm -hmm. have to then really pull them back and help them, you know, kind of realize that how important that is um, so that we can all bring it together and, you know, move the dial a little bit more effectively. Definitely. What is, uh, I mean, when you were at Namely, and I mean, you've also scaled touch care a lot. So you could, I would say for this one, you can pick from which example you'd like, but uh, you've been part of these massively scaling teams. So I'm curious, can you give us an example of something that you remember breaking and that you then later fixed? Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, right now, every time you're going through rapid growth, you have to change. And the key is trying to catch that anything before it breaks Yeah, and anticipate the breaking point. Um, I'd say, you know, the challenge that with sometimes, I'd say that more of the challenges with technology, when you need it to do something and you can't make it do something as quickly as you need it to happen. And so from namely, you know, that was the bigger challenge for our clients. And, you know, reporting was a little bit challenging there for a bit. So a couple of clients left that were pretty significant because of that reason. And that's so hard, right? Because that's something that I personally had no control over. You know, looking at touch care, we really have been fortunate not to break anything thus far. And, you know, we do have the highest service rating in our entire industry, which I think just really speaks to the people that we have. You know, what we do here is my job is to anticipate breaking and really prepare for that. And part of that is restructuring, you know, services a bit and how we service clients as we grow so that that's scalable and, and we can really maintain that. I mean, almost breaking would be our, our people <laughs> when we experience, you know, 460 times the volume than we did the year prior unexpectedly. And they're working from literally 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. You know, your people 
That's a Break. very long day. It's a very long day. And, you know, culturally trying to keep up with that and keep everyone engaged and help them understand that that will end is extremely challenging. Yeah, yeah, I was going to ask, like you you mentioned, I mean, it sounds like you've got a team of fantastic, hardworking, high performers with very strong work ethic, jump in and do it like amazing people. But that exact profile is also the kind of person who will overextend themselves because they're so committed to what they're doing and they have such a strong work ethic. So as a leader, how do you get them to not do that? So I force breaks. I force time off. The challenge, and we have an unlimited PTO policy. Everyone understands the challenge with that, right? It's people actually taking it. So I make them. And Fridays, we rotate summer Fridays um, so that they'll take time off. I enforce vacation. So I say, you have to submit it to me. Um, and you have to submit a week to me by this time. Interesting. Uh, so that I'm making sure they take it. Yeah. And it's just, I know that if I don't do that, they're not going to do it. So I have to force them to do it there. You know, culturally, we're a fun organization. We have so much fun. If you looked in our refrigerator, it might be a little interesting sometimes. Um, But we do really do have a lot of fun here. And I think that helps, right? When you enjoy what you're doing, you enjoy being at work, you want to be there. But we also have to remember what we do. And what we do is help people through their most challenging, complicated issues, that are sometimes medically related. And sometimes that's super heavy. So if you're giving people heavy workloads, plus you're giving them heavy situations, that can be an awful lot. So I take that very personally as my own responsibility to make sure that people, you know, do take time for themselves. I think that's fantastic. I love that approach. I haven't met many leaders that are that proactive about it. I've definitely met a lot that, you know, they encourage it. And that's been my experience generally is, you know, very much encouraged. But yeah, it's not often you hear that it's like a KPI or it's like a, you need to submit it to me by this date. But I think that's fantastic. And it means it kind of puts everyone on an equal playing field as well. It's not, well, this person, you know, Cody didn't take vacations and I can't take vacation or she did take vacation. So now I can take vacation. It kind of gets rid of all of that. Right. Right. Well, and Q4 is a busy time for us. So we really focus on everybody, please submit it. Take a week during the summer, do what you got to do. Yeah, definitely. I was going to ask later, but we, we, talk, we were talking a little bit about this now because of the mission of Touch Care and, and what you're, what everyone's working on every day, just so the people can really, the listeners can really understand it. Can you give an example of you know a story, a personal story or experience that you've had working at Touch Care that's been particularly impactful on you? Yeah, I have many, but the first one that stands out is a personal member situation. I was about a year into Touch Care. And I received a phone call from one of the HR representatives within one of our clients on a Saturday on my cell phone. So I knew it was extremely important. And I answered the phone and she said, Cody, I really, really need your help. I don't know who to call. This is a disaster. We have an employee who has a young child who is visiting family in another state. And she was traveling with family from one location to another everyone was killed in a car accident with the exception of the child. And uh, I just, I need your help. I don't know what to do. This employee's calling me um, frantic, of course, right? And, you know, in that moment, I really realized what our responsibility is here at Touch Care, you know, and that we are the entity that people think of when things like that happen. So I knew that I had to own that in a very big way. And I knew that I then had to really make 
my team understand the gravity of some of the situations that we deal with and equally own those situations. So I quickly tapped into my network. I found, you know, through people that I know, access to Ronald McDonald House in the area where the child was, set that up for the parent, navigated transportation from for the parent from one state to another so she could get to the child the same day, had good cards waiting when she arrived, and then worked with the hospital to really make sure that we understood the care that the child was receiving when the child was ready to then transition to another facility, make sure that that facility was a quality facility and, you know, within all of the parameters of the plan and then transition the child back to the home and help with ongoing care. So that's just an example of what touch care does beyond how much have I paid for, toward my deductible year, year to date. You know, we can answer those questions, but we move the dial on these big situations that are really impactful. And, that situation has not left me. As a parent, it hasn't left me. As a leader, it hasn't left. And it's actually guided me to what do we need to look for in an employee? Because they could get what is your deductible or they could get that. Is that true? Like any employee, like if the call comes in, is it, you're not sure what it could be? It could be any of those things at any time. It could be, it could be. And we have different levels of, of service and people within our team who handle different types of of things, but they could still be the person who takes that call. Yeah. With the upset. Now we've had, you know, individuals who are suicidal. Alas, there are all kinds of different situations that we're we're we have to be prepared for. And, you know, it, it's that's a big responsibility. So I make sure that anyone who joins TouchCare really understands that and takes that very seriously. Wow. That's amazing. I mean it's Horrible, uh, obviously, what what happened, and that you know there are situations like that that happen that you need to you know the, the people involved need to deal with, but that come into touch care as well. I can't imagine that's an easy day when they're get when you're getting calls like that. But thrilled that it's you and your team that are there. That there's people for these people to call who can actually help them navigate, help them through what are probably the most difficult situations they'll ever be in. Oh, totally. I can't imagine going through that with no resources. So it's really great that we're mm-hmm. able to do that. And it's actually an honor to be able to move the dial like that for someone personally. You mentioned how important it is that the people that are on your team, like that, how they need to be trained, they need to be aware of that this could be the calls that they kind of get. You know, you mentioned earlier that you hire a lot of new grads, which I think is fantastic. I'm always trying to sell people on hiring potential rather than experience, especially now in a super competitive job market. So I'm curious how you evaluate them. Like what specific qualities, I imagine emotional intelligence is an incredibly important thing in the people that you hire. So how specifically do you screen for that during the application interview process? Yes. I mean, first of all, we, we have them meet with a variety of different people on the team. And, you know, everyone has the ability to ask questions and make sure that culturally the individuals align, because that's really, really important and making sure that they like their their job, they like where they are, and everyone feels very comfortable beyond skill set. So we do look for relevant degrees. So we have a, a great, you know, public health has worked out very nicely for us. If you're going into public health, that automatically tells me you care about you no, know, they're just in it for the money. There. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah, you definitely care. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, and then, you know, looking at how active were you? Um, how active have you been in your past? Are you kind of a go-getter or have you been pretty passive and have just, 
gone to school, moved the dial a little bit and, you know, have you worked through college? And really just through the questions that we're asking about how you work with people, how you work through challenges. And then, you know, some assessments, uh, we, we do the DISC profile to make sure that we're aligning, you know, the proper assessment with what has been most successful within our team. But, you know, overall, it's really, we've built a profile that has just really knocked it out of the park almost 100% of the time. It's amazing. And that's what we really stick to. And it's been very successful. Do you then provide them additional training on communication, empathy, that, that sort of thing? 100%. So our physical training program, meaning with the actual skills that they would need with insurance is 90 days. And we have empathy um, training and customer service training and communications training. Um, I have a background at Dale Carnegie, uh, which is near and dear to me. So I love human relations and I love human relations training and how to really speak with someone so that they feel valuable and they know they're, you know, you're listening to them instead of them listening to you. So we, we work on that almost every day. Uh, we, we screen almost everything that we do. Everything that we do is recorded. So uh, we have some pretty extensive quality assurance metrics that have to be achieved and uh, are reviewed on a daily basis. So everyone understands the expectations and they certainly enjoy the training because it's fun. Yeah. And they learn a lot. Yeah, the, the human stuff is always is always fun training. Right. We're going through a public speaking training right now with um, Eric and Eli from Speaker Labs, who we've had on the podcast before, and it's just fun. You learn a lot. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they'd have plenty of criticisms for you know the way I'm speaking right now uh, on the podcast, but you know it's it's really helpful stuff, and I've already had takeaways, and it's good to just spend that time with your team you know, talking about something that isn't specifically work-related and doing things that are maybe a bit goofy or let you get to know each other better. It's especially fun to see some of the more reserved folks on the team be forced to do public speaking uh, activities that they're really uncomfortable with. But totally. that's just my, my schadenfreude coming out. Yeah, my it was so funny because when I was at Namely, the CEO of our company, Rob Lahane, his wife is the CEO of a company called Move This World. They're really underachieving people, Rob and Sarah. So Are they also your kids? Because I feel like they fit right in. <laughs> she actually came to Namely and um, did some some corporate training, which was so fun. And it was very involved with activity and movement. And it's always great when you can do something like that with your staff, where they can see each other in a different light. Personally, at Touch Care, we, we love our happy hours and we love our... You know, we tend to have some events at my house, which are a little bit fun too. So, excellent. <laughs> Karaoke machine comes out and oh, Cody yeah. goes off. Good times. <laughs> when we spoke earlier, um, and because it's related to this, and that you know, I'm blown away by the the scale of what you're doing, but the quality of it as well, and the intensity of it, and it all, and then the results that you've had in terms of NPS and customer satisfaction and team retention, things like that. You've mentioned that you're really close with your operations team and that you look at automating. And I feel like in, in your business, it's a really interesting balance because so much of what you do is human. It's dependent on the human, but you're a scaling startup. You have to, you can't hire one person every time, you know, for every 10 people that call in, like it's got to scale with a function. So can you give me a recent example of where you have found an inefficiency and built out an automation, like an automation 
strategy or, or protocol? Like what are you automating? What's something you are automating and what's something that you will never automate? Sure. So we're automating implementation entirely. Implementation, when we first started, we weren't sure what that really needed to look like from an automated um, aspect. And pulling in a lot of data, a lot of information just from even, you know, other companies that are similar to us, it was very obvious that we need to create a better outcome or better possibilities for people to have transparency within the information that we have of their information that's in our system. So we created an entire portal where people can essentially just implement themselves and uh, which has been really, really helpful. What I refuse to ever automate is the actual service that people receive from us because in healthcare, it's really challenging to do that because there aren't, there isn't good data with anything in healthcare. There's not great transparency, information on websites is accurate. You know, even when you're doing cost transparency, you're looking at a scaled transparency situation where a cost could be 200 to 2000. That doesn't help anyone. That's not helpful. So we really rely on that human component to, yes, leverage some tools, but also contact facilities, contact providers and validate the information. You can't do that with completely automating that and making that a technological component. You have to use humans. And these are private situations as well that people are, are really working through. So I wouldn't want to speak to a chat um, if I were talking about my child with autism. I just wouldn't want to do that. So, you know, the human aspect of what we do in particular is extremely, extremely important. But we can automate, you know, some of the reporting and some of the aspects that we've really been focusing on to to help with growth and really move upstream, which is what we've been doing pretty substantially in the past 18 months. Excellent. It sounds like a good balance. What are you most excited about that's coming up for either yourself and or touch care this year? Oh my gosh. I mean, I'm just excited. I've been excited since day one. It's one of those <laughs> situations where I knew this company was going to be awesome and that we were going to do great things, but our leadership team is just, we're so aligned and we so are on the same page with our goals and our vision and what we want for this organization that I'm just excited in general. I think that we have a long ways to go. Um, There's more that we can do. And until we really capture the ability to help everyone possible in the United States with healthcare, I'm not going to be satisfied. So... (laughs) It's a good milestone to be aiming for. <laughs> That's our goal. What's the next milestone that you're excited to hit? Is there a key metric or is there a key stat or something that you're aiming towards? You know, it's so funny because I always, 98% member satisfaction is, has been our threshold for four years and we've met it every single year. So now you're making it 99? Yeah, I'm making it 99. And <laughs> I always got uh, during, you know, the Q4, which is our really intense time. I get football jerseys for the, the team and I put 98 on the back going for a hundred this year. Nice. So, yeah. We're going to go for a hundred and uh, have a big kickoff, you know, big tailgate party before Q4 starts <laughs> and go kill another Q4. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Excellent. Cody, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. This was absolutely fantastic. Awesome. Thanks so much for inviting me. It was great. If you enjoyed today's show, please rate us five stars and leave a review. It's great for my self-esteem. Thanks for joining us. And if you'd like to learn more about Catalyst, visit catalyst.io. P.S. I love you.